to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as you know, and Pastor Don has said it many times, and the guys who are in the, in the Bible study right now, whenever you see a therefore, what are you supposed to do? Find out what it's, what it's there for, just like Steve said. So actually, we're going to back up <laughs> a couple verses. That's just the main area that we're going to cover today. But just back up to verse 32, and, and I'll talk about chapter 11 real briefly. Chapter 11, many of you guys have heard this, it's, called, it's, it's like the hall of faith. And so as you read chapter 11, you're going to go over all the Old Testament, not all of them, but uh, many of the Old Testament saints and the great things that they have done. And you're going to see men in here as it starts off, you know, in verse 4, it talks about Abel offering up to God, uh, 5, Enoch, um, 7, Noah, 8, Abraham. We all know the story of Father Abraham and Sarah, and it's going to go all the way through, and then Isaac and Jacob, and it talks about Joseph, and it talks about Moses. These are all men and women that, you, that all of us know in here. It doesn't matter if you've only gone to children's church, you know many of these people in the Bible because these are the pillars of the faith. These are people that we look back to, even though they were not perfect. David was not a perfect man. Moses was not a perfect man. You know, you look at these people, and we like to put them up at times, but they were just like us. They, had, they were sinners. They had mistakes. They had flaws. But what chapter 11 is talking about is that the actions and the things that they did, they did it by faith. And that they followed God and they had a calling on their lives by God and they went out and they did what God asked them to do. Not by their own ability, but because they knew that they had something inside them that said, I've got to do this. I've got to follow God and I've got to do this calling that he's put on my life. Verse 32, it starts off in chapter 11. It says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead and raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourging, and yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were swan and sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should be made perfect apart from us. Now you look at that area right there and you're like, 
man, I'm glad I wasn't one of those people. You know what I mean? Really, I mean, you look at it and you're like sawn in two. They walked around in goat skin and sheep skin. They were tortured. I mean, the lives that these men and women lived were not something that we, we want. We want the afterwards. We want to be King David living in a palace. We want to be Samson. We want to be these men and, and women that had everything and had all the nice stuff. But when we hear the dirty work that they had to do, and yet the Bible then says that, they were, that the world was not worthy of them. That is, that is the call of faith. The call of faith is not when we get to come up here and, and receive accolades for something that we've done. We've done. It's when the Bible says that the world was not worthy of these men and women because of the things that they were willing to do for the promise that they hadn't even received yet. See, as we're looking in chapter 11, we're looking at the Old Testament saints here. They're not new. It doesn't talk about here. You don't see, and, and Peter did this, and Paul did this, and, and oh yeah, and John did this. You remember John? Yeah, that's you know, the one that, Je- that Jesus loved. There, there's no mention of them. This is the Old Testament looking forward towards Jesus. And as we now move into chapter 12, it says, therefore we also, and we're just going to stop there for a second, because it's we also, it's us. Did you guys know that? Because, see, as, as followers of God and followers of Jesus, we also now have entered into that. As we walk into this, now we are in play as far as what is happening with what the Bible is talking about. It says, We also, since we were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And therefore, <coughs> sorry, who is, who is this great cloud of witness? The great cloud of witness is all these men and women who came before us. A witness is one who is a spectator of anything. So you can be a witness. You can be a spectator as, as far as something happening out there. You might go to an event and be a witness to it, a concert or something. See, they, they lived a life that had, they had been provided. <clears throat> sorry. They lived a life that they have provided a foundations of God's faithfulness. So as we look at chapter 11, we see this, and this is a foundation that we look back to and see, man, what these men and women did, that is a foundation that now we spring forward off of. We look at them and we see the wonderful things that they did, and we look at them and we look at a a man like Joseph, who did nothing wrong, was sold into slavery, who did nothing wrong, was thrown into jail, yeah, I mean, it, all these things that this man did, and what did he do? He continued to say, no, I'm going to follow my God, and I'm going to do what is right. Eventually, again, we want to be second in charge of Egypt, but that's not the goal of what Joseph had. His, his goal was, as I will not sin against my God. And as we look at men and women like this, that's the foundation of faithfulness that we see that as we start wondering, what am I supposed to do in my life? There's a foundation that we know that we can rely off of because we're part of a cloud of witnesses. They lived as witnesses before Christ. And now we live having seen the testimony of Christ's life. And as I said before, it's kind of chapter 11 is the Old Testament looking forward towards Christ. And so now we're on the other side of that as we move into chapter 12, is that now we're on the other side of that. We've seen the glory of Christ. And we haven't physically seen it, but we've read it. We've heard the testimonies of it. And we know that Jesus is the one who... That's the promise that all the other ones were looking forward to. We have now on the other side of this, we now get to look back and now we get to look at the cloud of witnesses that are before us. 
We get to look at all the things that have happened and now we get to see the glory of Christ that they were all desiring and desperately wanting to see. So was it harder to live for God before Christ? Or do you think it's harder to live for God after Christ? You know, after Christ, when we you know, have, have seen the cross and the resurrection, and now we have the word of God in our hands. You know, obviously the, the, the answer to that is, at least I would hope that you wouldn't say, well, I've, dude, you don't know the life I live. I mean, it's hard. You know, I got to work every day and there's people who don't believe in God and they just mock me. Really? Were you sawn in two today? You know, I mean, it's just if you look at this and you look at the life that they lived, you look at Jeremiah and what he was called to do. God knocks on his heart and says, Jeremiah, I've got a ministry for you. He's like, oh, this is God talking to me. This is awesome. Man, I want you to go out and I want you to, to preach to the nations that about me. And I want you to tell them everything that they're doing wrong. And listen, nobody's ever going to believe you. Nobody's ever going to like you for the rest of your life. I mean, that was his ministry. A ministry of one. And his entire life, everywhere he went, nobody liked him. Nobody wanted to be around him. They didn't, I mean, that is the ministry, but that is the ministry he was called to. And he faithfully walked in that for the rest of his life. That's faithfulness. You know, as you look around the room today, we're a little bit light this morning, you know, but is the faithfulness the fact that, well, we're a little bit light, I shouldn't teach this morning. no. We're faithful in what we've been called to do. It doesn't matter if it's just my family here this morning. They're going to sit right here and they're going to listen to the message that's been prepared because God has called something for this morning for all of us. And so as, is it easier to follow along with the Lord before Christ or after? Obviously before. So when, then what is our excuse? What is our excuse as we walk in through our life every day to be able to say, oh man, but things are tough. Things are hard. Well, guess what? Things are not going to get easier. I mean, do you, do you realize things have to be bad for Jesus to come back, right? Things have to be bad for us to be brought out of this world so that God then ultimately have his judgment upon it. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, it's not going to be, we're not going to have heaven on earth and then him say, oh, no, everybody's out of here now. Everything's perfect. Well, no. The whole purpose is that things are going to get bad. And then in the church, things are going to get bad. People are going to follow and just follow whatever is the itching of their ear. Oh, no, that guy's teaching grace. I only want to hear grace. I'm only going to go over there. You know, oh, no, that's the law. All these other people don't know. I'm only going to follow this. No, you need to follow the, the full encompass of what the Bible teaches. And then you need to live it out loud. That is what we've been called to do. <coughs> going back to verse one, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And three points for today, because you guys kind of know I like to do that. Three points for today. It breaks down very easy as far as if, you, if you're just looking at this. The first thing that we're going to cover is, is laying aside. Okay, Laying aside. Well, what does laying aside mean? Um, laying aside means to, to renounce it. It should be a stronger word there. It shouldn't be. It sounds like you're just going to kind of lay aside the, you know, your book on the ground and kind of walk outside. No, lay aside means that you're going to renounce it. Okay, it's gone. I'm renouncing. You're no longer part of my household. You're no longer part of. You're you're fired. You're out of here. You're you're no longer part of whatever that it is in my life. You're renouncing something. It's it's get out of here. It's too weak of a word there, as far as laying aside. And every weight, every weight is is, is any encumbrance. It's a burden. Whatever is burdening you in your life, whatever is an encumbrance in your life, um, the word here is, is pretty cool. It's, it's 
The other definition is it's a claim against property. It's like a mortgage. Everybody like your mortgage? <laughs> no, you hate it. You're like every month you're like, I strike this little check out to somebody bank, you know. But it's a mortgage because you don't really own it yet. So it's an encumbrance. You know, it's that 1000 or $1,500, whatever that you send out every month. That's not yours. You get to send it to the bank that you're like, man, there's so many other things that I could do with this money, but I'm being weighed down because I've got this in my life. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, he's saying, look, you know, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you. You've got you to put that thing away. Why? Because, you know, it, because as a, as a runner, you're, you don't want to carry all that extra stuff on you. Now, so I'm going to say something shocking to you guys. You probably don't know this, but or not, but, but I'm a runner, okay? So you look at me and you're like, no, really? No, this is a joke or is a joke? No, I'm a runner, okay? I know I don't have the runner body, you know, that looks like this. You know, two little legs that run it. But, um, but, I, but I do run, okay? Two and a half miles last week. Just not bragging, but I'm just saying. So, <laughs> and I could have ran further because it's, it's cooler out now. But anyway, so, um, so when I run, I don't, I don't carry extra weight. Okay, trust me. Okay, that's, that's not me. You see some people running with backpacks? That's not me, okay? Um, th- you have to have some comfortable shoes on. You know, you, can't, you don't run in dress shoes. You know, ladies, I know you like the high heel shoes. You wouldn't run in those, you know, because, well, they're not comfortable. They just look good, you know? Um, you're not going to, you're going to wear light clothes on. You're going to have something that breathes, you know, very easily. You know, I'm not going to run. I mean, unless it's really cold, you don't run in uh, sweatpants or something like that. But um, usually it's something very easy. Um, so I don't care anything extra that I don't have to, okay? I've got my music, and that's it. I'm going, all right? Um, because I, I'm carrying enough, as you can see. I mean, I'm carrying enough as I run. I don't need anything extra to pull me down. Well, the same thing that happens in you and your life. Well, what's ensnaring you in your life as you run? What, what's burdening that's holding you down in your life that's stopping you from being able to, to go forward? What, what, are you, what are you not laying down? What are you not putting away that is stopping you in your life. I, and and I, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but is, is it politics? Is it sports? Is it shopping? It gets really quiet at this point. Everybody's like, oh, don't say mine. Um, is it HGTV? Is it family? And again, it doesn't have to be that it's a bad thing, but there are still that are some good things that can still weigh you down within your life that stops you from running the race as well as you can. You know, our church is small, but statistically it's, it's probably true. You know, is it drugs? Is it pornography? Is it alcohol? Are you burdened by having to meet the expectations of everybody around you? Is it the holidays? The holidays are coming. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't focus on anything else. And so see, as we start trying to run our race and we're in this cloud of witnesses and we start trying to run our race that God has called us to do, now all of a sudden we start looking around and, and we've, been, we've been burdened down. And, and I can't run. You know, I can't run in these dress shoes because, man, my feet are killing me, so I've got to walk. And then eventually I've got to stop and, and pull them off. And, um, and, and now the race that I was going to run, man, I, just, I, I can't run it to the ability that God has asked me to run it because I've just been tied down with these things. And, well, quite honestly, Kevin, you know, some of those things I like. And so now it's a point in my life where I've got to make a decision to where I like this thing better than I like God. And you say, well, Kevin, you mentioned family on there. I mean, why would God ask me to get rid of... I didn't say he's asking you to get rid of your family. Saying, what is the first thing, most important thing in your life? 
Christina and I talked about it last week. It was just, you know, she was cracking on every love song that was on. And then we went away last weekend and um, we were listening to some 80s music. And every song was like, you know, um, I don't want anything in the world but you, you know, or, or whatever, you know, the same lines on every single song. But she's like, you know, why, why would they say that? You know, I don't want you to want, you know, get rid of everything else but just for me, that I'm the most important only thing in your life. She's like, you know, come on. I'm like, well, you just ruined every single song that's going to come on in the next 30 minutes. Right? And it's like, um, there goes the weekend type thing, you know? I mean, it's over. And so, but the most important thing in our lives, though, you know, and I'll speak for Christine too, is that I, I love Christine, but I have to love God first. And, and she loves me, and, but she has to love God first. And there can't be a, there can't be a battle there, you know, that, and, and there is at times, because honestly, she's, she's here and she's in front of me. And so, yes, there is a battle at times that goes on within our own individual hearts, but ultimately your, your, your desires have to be on God. So God's not saying lay down the burden of never do anything with your family, never read any books, never whatever fun things that you have in life. You can't do those, only do this. He's not saying that. Again, it's the heart issue. It's the heart issue of saying, what is the most important thing within my life? Is it those things? Well, it can't be. I have to be following God. And if God does this and I follow God, well, then God's going to say, Kevin, you need to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Well, then I get to love my wife then. I get to take care of her needs. And God's kind of called me to not exasperate my children. So I get to love and pour into my children. I get to continue. So I get to still be an active part of my my family's life because that's what God's called me to do. But ultimately, that only comes through what God has asked over here that I'm following him. Does that make sense? So again, I'm not asking you to to pull away from everything. But what I'm saying is that, again, the focus has to be on the run. You know, the interesting thing is back then, back in those days, when they would have running events, they actually wouldn't run with any clothes on. They were actually, they, ah, that sounds a little interesting. You're like, whoa, you know, that's a different kind of, that's not on Fox right there, but that's on, or ESPN would have to be at 12 o'clock at night or something like that. But, um, but yeah, they wouldn't run anything. Why? Because they wanted no hindrances at all that was stopping them. That's how they would run. So they would run in this huge stadium and they would sit there and they wouldn't have anything on because they didn't want anything to slow them down within their life. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to have all of your emotions and everything out there so that I'm ready to run and do whatever God's asked me to do? Am I willing to lay it aside? Am I laying, willing to cast it away so that my only focus is on God? That's the first thing. Back to verse 1, it says, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I didn't go into that, but I think you guys kind of know that part too. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The second thing we need to do, we need to run with endurance. You know, so if we're, if, we're, if we're dressed to run and our focus is on God and we're doing the things that God's asked us to do, well, now we need to run with endurance, correct? So running, uh, runners in a race, they exert oneself, they strive hard, and I like this part too, it says, to spend one's strength in performing or attaining to something. So to spend one's strength, to, to give it all, to, to not stop. I was listening to Derek Brooks, who used to be a linebacker, for Tampa Bay a long time ago, not a long time ago, like five, ten years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Where's a Buccaneer guy? Um, and he was talking about the difference between being retired now and exercising. He says, I don't really push myself. I just want to look nice, you know. He said, but when I was training, he goes, I would push myself to a point where I almost fainted. I would throw up. I would just swallow it and go back out there and continue to train. 
That, that was one that was putting everything that he had in a focus on his life because that was the task that was set before him. That was the endurance part of it. The endurance is patiently and steadfast and the firm de- determination or resolution um, is, is, is moving forward past whatever is in your life that I'm, I'm res- resolved to do this one thing right now. And the race is a contest. First Corinthians 9:24 through25, many of you guys know this verse. <clears throat> you can write it down in your margins. First Corinthians 9:24 and 25 says, do, not, "Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate <clears throat> in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. See, all these runners and people that are running and and doing sports today, they're all going to win a perishable crown. We won the World Series, the Cubbies. Yay, we won the Cubbies and we won a World Series. Guess what? It doesn't matter. It's going to go away. It's going to be gone. Why? Because it's a perishable crown. They're great. They're the winners. Yay, the curse is gone. But it doesn't matter. We, however, are running for something that's different. We're running for an imperishable crown. We're running for something that that we will obtain in heaven because when we go in front of the Father, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the crown that I'm attaining to because on this earth, man, it's all going to be gone. It's all going to burn anyways. Anything that we're attaining to, anything that we're going to go after, it's all going to be gone. But what I'm doing and what I'm running and the endurance of my life is I'm going to push everything that I have to be able to do what God has called me even when I don't want to. Quite honestly, about 48 hours ago, I was like, I can't teach Sunday. I can't do it. I was I had sick. I had sore throat. I left work early yesterday. I mean, it was just, it was, I was falling apart quick, you know, going downhill. But at some point you have to say, but what are we going to do Sunday? You know, we're just not going to have church. Oh, Kevin's got a little fever. You know, I'm feeling good. You know, people were being sawed in two in chapter 11, Kevin, but that's okay. You got a little fever. You don't feel good. We stay home and drink some hot tea and some throat coat for your throat and you know. No, but I'm gonna push myself and I'm gonna endure what God has called me to do. Why? Because I love the people that are here. And I don't want them to show up and I don't want to just give them something just to pass the hour of time. No, your time is worth something. Your time is worth. You've come in here today. You're expecting to expecting to hear something from the Lord. I just can't throw a video on there because of whatever. No, God has given us a message, then let's talk about it. Let's preach it. Let's talk. Let's, let's infect somebody's life so that they can do something for the gospel. So, as we run, imagine you're running in the stadium. You know, if we're, if we're coming to a cloud of witnesses, we're running in a stadium, and as I was watching the LSU-Alabama game last night, um, 100,000 people in that stadium. 100,000 people for a college football game. Is that incredible or what? And so we're all surrounded by the work that we have had done before us. So this cloud of witnesses, all these people that have come before us, and as we start running this race and we're in this stadium, we look around them and we get inspired for what they've done. But, but the problem that I, I see, though, is that many of us are stopping the race before it's begun. Many of us have, have, have canceled ourselves out because of whatever reason. Many of us have desired to, to not obtain an imperishable crown. Many of us are, 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 are stopping at the, the start line and going, man, I, I just I don't feel it today. 
I've got, I've got an appointment at 9 o'clock tomorrow, and I, I just, God, I, I can't do Monday. I can do Tuesday for you. So you're going to let a whole quarter of the football game go by because you're not ready for the, the start time. See, I'm not speaking of salvation here. I'm not talking about your salvation when we talk about imperishable crowns. You, you guys are saved, okay? But, but what I'm saying is that you're not obtaining what is worthy in life. I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is that you're not... I'm, I'm talking about running a life that's worthy of the call of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is that as we look at our, our Savior and what he was willing to do to go on a cross for us, was willing to die, was willing to bleed, was willing to get beaten, and do all these things so that we might have eternal life. I can't look at Christ and say, I can't give you Monday. You know, I can schedule and pencil you in on Thursday, you know, like the Peyton Manning thing, pencil and Eli in on Tuesday. You know, Tuesday, Eli, there you go. God on Tuesday, I got you going there. And it's, it's not a guilt trip to say, you know, I'm trying to guilt you guys into, well, look at Jesus. You know, he just gave everything and, you know, he's just asking for your life back. It's not that at all. It's a point that you've got to look at yourself and go, am, am I serious about my walk? Am I serious enough to say I'm going to lay down whatever's encumbering me in my life? Am I sitting there going to say, I'm going to endure whatever God has asked me to do. And, and when things get tough, and they will, am I going to push past what I think that my body can do? Am I going to be willing to say, God, I'm, I'm giving you everything at all that I've got. And, and, and I'm, I'm here. I've got it. Philippians 3.14 says, Paul speaking says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He presses on. He's saying, look, at one point he says, look, I, I count all things in the past rubbish. Everything that I've done. Every, and Paul, man, he had a resume. He had a resume as a Jew. He was the Jew of Jews. You could just ask him. He knew it. He knew it all. And then as a Christian, he had a whole nother resume. Shipwrecked. I've been bitten by a snake. Man, I can just tell you things that you just make your head spin. But you know what? I, I count it all as lost. Why? Because the one thing that I want, I'm pressing towards something else. I don't want your accolades for the things that I've done here. I don't care about that. What I'm saying is that I'm, I'm, I'm pressing forward because I'm looking at Christ and him alone, and that's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for Jesus, and, that, and my whole life is all about that, and I'm moving forward towards that. Paul had endurance. Paul was running a race that was worthy. Paul had a race, a run that, was, that he was willing to give everything else that he had in his life, even if it was his life. He didn't care. It was all on the table. God, what do you want? It's yours. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us, for him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To look is to fix your eyes upon, to turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something, um, to turn one's mind to it. Last weekend, like I'd mentioned, um, you know, going away with Christine for the weekend, it wasn't hard to not focus just on my wife. It was very easy. You know, if other people were in the room, it didn't matter because Christine was there. You know, everything else was pushed to the side. But our eyes should be 
ever fixed upon the one who paid the price for us in life. Your eyes should be fixed on the one person who gave it all for us. He is described, Jesus is, as our author. He is, it's, it's also known as, he's the captain, El Capitan. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the one that takes the lead in anything that thus affords us an example. He is the finisher. Christ is the, per, is the perfecter of everything for us. You see, Jesus ran himself the race to a triumphant finish. Jesus didn't stop. Jesus didn't turn to the left and the right. He had a focus that was there. He was tempted just like we were. But he had one thing on his mind, as I was going to finish this race, whatever it takes. Turn to the left of Philippians chapter 3, please. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Paul speaking again, verse 10, says that I may, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. And see, this is the focus of our lives and to become more like Christ we must keep our focus on Christ. We must keep our focus on the things that he did and the things that he did for us. And so you say, Kevin, well, why this verse today, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and, and why, why are we talking about this? <clears throat> I just, the last month or so, this the Lord's been putting on my heart that, you know, there are so many distractions that we have, all of us have, every single day, wherever we're at. We all have different lives. We all go home to different homes and families. And um, I knew that when we were in the DR, there were very few distractions, you know. Um, there, was, there was no, electro, no electronics, so I mean, it was very easy as far as that. There was no Facebooking. There was none of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's no bills. There's no TV. There's, there's none of those things. But as we, as we come back here, and, and I'll use politics now for, for a brief time, um, you know, I think that the sad part that I see within the church and within many of my friends is even as I go on Facebook and um, have very good friends that are on Facebook that, that quite honestly have had um, arguments and disputes with each other over this election um, that were very good friends that I'm not sure are friends anymore because of the sides that they have taken and the positions that they have taken. And, and it's very sad to me because these were people that we prayed together. We worshiped together. I mean, our singles group that we had in Fort Lauderdale was wonderful. Literally, you would go to a house and there'd be like 30 cars parked outside and you'd just know that you'd be thinking that the cops are going to come or something like that. There's alcohol and people jumping out the windows. You'd go upstairs and it was just us. We were just having fun. Somebody would break out a guitar. 
you know, be singing some worship songs. I mean, it was just a wonderful time together. And now these friends are, are no longer together, no longer see eye to eye. And it's sad to see that. It's sad to see that even within the church that there's such a division. I think that the enemy has used politics to be able to get the church off of what is the true purpose of what the church is. The thing is, and I don't want to get into a whole history as far as the religious right and stuff like that. The thing for us is to remember is, again, these encumbrances in life, again, the Lord is not saying don't have a part within the political system of your country. Do not pray for your country. Do not care about your country. No, God is the opposite. We should be very part of it. We should be aware of things that are going on. And it also says in Romans that we are to pray for our leaders, whoever our leader is. How many of you prayed for your current president that you have every day? How many people, and not for bad things, but that the Lord would give him wisdom and direction? And for those that liked this president and didn't like the previous one, did you pray for your previous president? I mean, the thing, the thing is, is that we as Christians like to kind of pick and choose what we want to do and what we want to believe in. Why? Because there are encumbrances within our life. There are things that have weighed us down to the point where I think there's more people today in the church that know more about what's going on within the political system than they do what is going on in their Bible today. And the sad thing is that we will so quickly, and I'm not just saying you, it's all of us, will so quickly turn on a Fox News or a CNN to find out what's going on with the new WikiLeaks without going to the book of John and finding out what God wants to do within my life today. And that is sad. That's sad within a church that's supposed to be a light within this area, but yet we are so dark because we have been so encumbered by the things of this world. Because they have easily snared us. These sins have so easily crept into us that we don't even think about the fact that we need to be praying for people's souls instead of wondering who's right and wrong and who shouldn't get what. That is sad. Why? Because we can't be a light if there's no light coming without of the church. And so our focus then needs to be on what? It needs to be back on Christ. Because again, I can't run if I've got Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton on my back, okay? Have you seen the size of those two? I mean, it's just not going to happen, okay? I'm not a weightlifter, I'm a runner, okay? And I'm carrying enough as it is, so it's, it's a point where I can't run with the two of them on my back. I can't run with the fact of, of all the weight of what CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and everything else, of what they can over, just empower us with all this information every single day. But I'm so quick to turn on the TV and I'm so quick to check my phone instead of being willing to open up my Bible and find out again, well, what is God's information on what's going on today? So again, the focus now for my life has been turned over to that. So Kevin, what, is, what does this mean? It, it, well, it doesn't just mean that as well. It means that there's many that I have met that are just unsure of what, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing in life? What's the direction that I'm supposed to be? What is the marker? You know, Kevin, I'm, I'm 46. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's 55. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's 30. Well, how do I know where, where I'm at and what I'm supposed to be doing? where's the measuring stick of where I am in life and is this the right direction that I'm supposed to be going on and, and I'm, again now I'm starting to worry you know here I am and I'm starting to have to make some decisions and, and, and again I don't know where I'm at in life I talked to my nephew the other day and he's um, just got hired to be you know a firefighter um, but before that two weeks before that he's about to throw his hands up and dude I can't, I can't wait anymore I'm going to go do something else what? I don't know Okay, you're 23, you can do that, but I mean, you, you should have a vision. You, you, 
So just slowing him down to the point of, well, man, where's your quiet time? Are you still in the Word? Are you still praying? Are you still, so you start slowing things down to then, I'm like, that's the counsel of almost every single person, is it not? I know that in my life when things are just awry and going crazy, it's because I'm not doing the basics. I haven't slowed things down to go, Kevin, where's your prayer time? Where, where, where's your time in the Word? Where's your time in fellowship? When's the last time that you just broke bread with somebody and it wasn't for a get-together for whatever's going on with them, but just, hey, man, can we just talk? Man, there's just some things that are going on in my life and, and I want to share and you want to share back and you know, I want to challenge you in this area of Scripture. See, the, the, the encumbrances of life sit there and they slow you down because they, they, they sidetrack you to the point where you don't want to do the thing that you need to do. What's the one thing that I know that I need to do? I need to be in the Word of God. And I need to be in the Word of God every single day of my life. And I need to be in prayer. And I need to be praying for people that I like and people that I don't like. And I need to be lifting them up in prayer. And I need to be praying for direction to where God wants, where does He want to take me within my life? And for my children's lives. And for your children's lives. I pray for many of you guys in this church often. Even the young ones. It amazes me that I look at my son's 15 now, Nathan's 18. Are you 18 yet? Adam's 16. I mean, it's just crazy to sit there and go, I knew Adam when he's like this, and now it's like, he's like there, you know? You're like, what? You know, when, what is going on? You know? I mean, I haven't gotten older. I just don't understand how that works. <laughs> so as I look at all of us, and, and I look to, to where, where is it that Jesus wants you to run your race? I think that the, the race starts... The, the point is, is that no matter what, we are all in a race. Okay, you, you're, you're in a race. You, you may not realize that you're in a race. You may not have decided to start the race, but guess what? The clock is ticking, and, and you have started a race. Now, now at some point where it doesn't... You don't have to be the first to finish, but I'm telling you right now, you, you need to compete. Why? Because there's people out there who, who desperately need you guys to be part of their lives and your family needs you to be part of their lives but they need you to be part of their lives in a godly way and so what I'm asking you to do is lay aside those things that are in your life I'm asking you to endure whatever hardships that you're facing and I want you guys to focus on Jesus and him alone and allow all the other distractions to go away and all the other things to go away and to be truly focused on the one who can change all things. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning and I thank you for your faithfulness and your love and your grace. I thank you for your word of God that you have given us that, that convicts us, Lord, that lifts us up, that gives us direction, that speaks to our heart. Lord, we just love you and we thank you again for all that you have done for us. Lord, help us to, to run that race. Help us to engage in this life that you have given us, Lord. Help us to stay truly focused on you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com 
or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.